Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at robertsrobinson.com. The playoffs are set, and the Chiefs have a week off. What more could you really ask for than that? Well, I guess we could ask for a fifth straight year for the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium. The only way that's going to happen is if Buffalo and Cincinnati both get knocked out of the playoffs before that round. For the Chiefs, a couple of wins and you're in. That's what it's all about. It sets up pretty well for them as these playoffs are set. On Saturday, the Chiefs just demolished the Raiders in a game that was, well, it looked like it was men against boys. The Chiefs were just toying with this opponent. Patrick Mahomes set the NFL season record with 5,608 yards passing. Nick Bolton set a Chiefs record with 180 tackles for the season, passing Derek Johnson. George Karloftis has come on strong. He got in on the fun again. Karloftis, the rookie pass rusher, now has five and a half sacks in the last seven games, and this is a big deal. The Chiefs sacked Raiders quarterback Jared Stidham six times in this game on the way to a 31-13 route of the Raiders that was so one-sided, the Chiefs were, well, basically kicking sand in the Raiders' face. A play called Snow Globe went for a touchdown to Kadarius Toney. It was a direct snap to McKinnon, a throwback to Mahomes, and then a throw to Toney. There was a holding call. It got called back. But everybody in the NFL is talking about this play. I'd rename it Roulette Wheel. That's what it looked like to me. They were in Vegas. It seems like maybe that would be a little catchier. Patrick Mahomes said after the game, we have more for the playoffs. Andy Reid said, well, we may have more, but we have to be sure it will work. It's one thing to have fun. It's another to have fun out there and make sure it works. And boy, did the Chiefs have fun on this Saturday. Was this their most complete game? Love the fact that they ran for 168 yards, a spectacular performance all across the board. Everybody got in on that. Mahomes threw for just over 200 is all, but the game was so lopsided, the Chiefs didn't need it. This was not packed with a bunch of return yards or anything like that. The Chiefs were just wildly efficient in this beatdown of the Raiders. And I just can't get it out of my head the way they kind of rubbed it in and showed them up with some of the things that they did. With the gadget plays and the fun of the snow globe in the huddle, man, the Chiefs are something else. They are the most entertaining team in the league. They have been for a while, and now they're the one seed. Some will complain they don't need to be. Honestly, my thought is the Chiefs got the short end of the stick here. I think the Chiefs were well on their way to home field advantage and no neutral site games because I'm pretty sure the Bengals were about to beat down the Bills. The Bills struggled on Sunday. They needed two kick returns, two touchdown kickoff returns to beat the Patriots. But they did, and they grabbed the two seed. Buffalo will now host Miami in an AFC East matchup, that game on Sunday. We get a rematch in the AFC of Baltimore and Cincinnati. It was not much fun to watch on Sunday, but they'll play again with the season on the line. That is Sunday night football coming up, Baltimore at Cincinnati. And I guess if you want to dream a little bit, you want Baltimore to knock Cincinnati out? I want somebody to knock Cincinnati out. That's really what I'm looking for. Buffalo, to me, looks like they have holes. Looks like they have some issues. They're, but they're still really, really, really good. Cincinnati's the team no Chiefs fan wants to face. And I'll repeat what I've said. The Chargers are the team that I don't want to face in the first round. But in all likelihood, if Cincinnati beats Baltimore, the Chargers win at Jacksonville, the Chargers indeed will come to Kansas City. The simplest way to look at the playoff format is this. The Chargers and Jacksonville play on Saturday. That's the Saturday night game. That will likely be the Chiefs' opponent in the first round. Jacksonville has come on strong since week nine. Trevor Lawrence of Jacksonville is the number one rated passer in the NFL. And of course, the Chargers are the Chargers. They always give the Chiefs fits. 
yet the Chiefs always seem to win. Do you want that game in the playoffs? Well, it doesn't matter now. You got to step it up, and the Chiefs know that. They say they will. They say the rest will do them good. But what they proved to me on Saturday is the Chiefs will do what they want, when they want, and more specifically, where they want. Because going to Vegas and basically rubbing the Raiders' nose in an awful season, and Andy Reid does have, look, I'm not going to read too much into this, but Andy Reid does have coaches that he respects more than others. Let's just say he probably wouldn't have done this to Bill Belichick or one of the guys that used to coach for him. But he had no problem doing it to Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. It was a little showboaty. What it said to me is, we'll take this show on the road and do whatever we have to do. And ultimately, we can't complain too much about a neutral site game if the Chiefs get to the AFC title game. Two wins and they're there. We'll see how it plays out. Here's your playoff schedule. Saturday afternoon, it's Seattle at San Francisco. The nightcap on Saturday is the Chargers at Jacksonville. Sunday, triple header starts with Miami at Buffalo, the Giants at Minnesota, Baltimore at Cincinnati on Sunday night, and then Monday night football will be Dallas at Tampa. Your wild card round. The Chiefs and the Eagles sit this week out, rest up, and start practicing in what was a wild NFL season where the Chiefs at times showed some inconsistency and sloppy play but worked their way to a 14-3 record, tying a franchise mark for most wins in a season. The Chiefs the one seed again, which is just remarkable. What a year. What fun this has been. And now it's nail-biting time as the playoffs are here. Should be fun. Stan Weber will go over all that with us, and we'll talk about the Chiefs, who I, I honestly just f- believe played their most complete game of the year. I just I loved what I saw. I don't need Patrick Mahomes to throw 400 yards. I, it's fun. It's great when he does. Man, when you jump out and you got a lead and you're beating somebody like this and your defense is locking them down and frustrating the quarterback and stopping everything they're doing, it's kind of carefree football. It's easy viewing. It was a little bit like the a little bit like the Seattle game a few weeks ago. So that's two of the last three or two of the last four that the Chiefs have played where they had total control of their opponent. Seattle's a playoff team, by the way. They had total control over them. So this was a good one. This was an excellent effort from the Chiefs at just the right time. Andy Reid's going to give them some days off, and they'll be ready to go and play at Arrowhead next weekend in the divisional round, probably against the Chargers or Jacksonville. In other NFL news, it was stunning on Sunday night to watch Aaron Rodgers go out with a whimper with the Green Bay Packers. What is not being noted by anybody after Rodgers' really ugly play on Sunday night was that the Lions just finished the season 8-2 and two in their last 10 that they played great but couldn't play their way in because Seattle won in overtime. Otherwise, the Lions would have made it. The fact that the Lions played the way they did on Sunday night against the Packers with nothing to play for other than record and pride says a lot. They played harder than the Packers. They played better than the Packers. They intercepted Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers looked really off on Sunday night, like he didn't want to be there. And then after the game commented, if this is the end of his career, if you, or he said something about a carousel and you know when the merry-go-round stops. And then he said, quote, I wouldn't have any regrets walking away, unquote. Rodgers is going to think about it, but that may have been Aaron Rodgers' last game. He may want to go out as a Packer and not try to play somewhere else. We'll break that down with Stan. We'll talk a little TCU Georgia. Monday night, the national championship game. And you believe TCU is playing for this. Georgia, a big favorite in this game as TCU and Georgia will play for the national title. And what a weekend of college basketball. KU, K-State, Missouri all win. And now we're looking at a week from now, a matchup in Manhattan between KU and K-State that at the start of this year looked like a game that nobody would be interested in watching. 
and now all of a sudden Kansas State is the talk of college basketball. One writer's poll at CBS has K-State as high as number seven in the country. They have KU at one, because of course they do. Kansas just steamrolled West Virginia on Saturday. Missouri gets the win over Vandy. They just keep winning. This is a very, very interesting college basketball season, and we'll talk about that. As the Wildcats now have done something that maybe nobody else in the Big 12 will do this year, they won at Texas and at Baylor. That's going to be hard to win both those road games, but the Wildcats indeed did it, and Stan will be here to talk about it. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Earth Effects Outdoor Living. This is your new landscape company, or if you're looking to build hardscapes in your backyard, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, bars, landscape beds, retaining walls, water features, this spring is the time with Earth Effects Outdoor Living. Call my guy Daniel Hanks over at Earth Effects Outdoor, 816-215-9332. They're online at eeoutdoor.com. You want to see the great work they do? eeoutdoor.com. They also do regular landscape. If you're looking to add trees or shrubs or bushes or maybe do a little landscaping around your house, add some rock or some mulch this spring, Earth Effects would love to have your business. Online at eeoutdoor.com. Cornerstone Property Management and Home Buyers. Yeah, my guy GW over at Cornerstone does a great job doing the stuff you don't like to do. If you've got rental properties and you're tired of the headache that your tenants are giving you or non-payment or the repairs or all that stuff, go with Cornerstone. For one low fee, they take care of all that for you. They get you better tenants. You get consistent revenue every single month. Let them make money for you. Cornerstone Property Management. Online at Home with cornerstone.com. That's homewithcornerstone.com. They also buy houses. If you've inherited one or had one uh, passed down in your family and you don't live there and you don't really want to rent it and you don't want to go to the trouble of flipping it, Cornerstone will buy your property. That's right. They'll buy your home from you. Cornerstone Property Management. Again, for all the information, go to their website, homewithcornerstone.com. That's homewithcornerstone.com. Bstock.net in Olathe at 14680 South Flaming Road. Last year, they did a free delivery promo for the big playoff games. And they're going to start early because Chris, the big man out there, son went to TCU. They're going to get excited over this for the national championship game tonight. Any purchase right now, $1,000 or over, that's TVs, TVs, computers, anything combined. Any purchase over $1,000, free delivery inside the 435 loop. That's anywhere inside the 435 loop and probably some other places just outside the loop. Just, yeah, tell them a B-stock. I'm real close to the loop. I'm just outside of it. It's okay because they're outside the loop. So they'll do it. Uh, they've got right now an 86-inch 4K LG TV for $9.99. Again, an 86-inch TV for all these playoffs, $9.99 at bstock.net, 14680 South Flaming Road. And, of course, my buddy Ron Buck over at Buck Roofing. He is the Midwest's finest roofing company, residential or commercial, online at rbuckroofing.com. Give Ron a call and get that free roof inspection anytime. 913-384-2680. You'll sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. Oh, my. We got a lot to talk about with our man Stan this week. There's my thoughts on the Chiefs, the title game, and the playoff scenario. Now it's time to hear from Stan the Man on KKHI. Hit it. Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. 
Oh, it's always great to check in with Stan Webb. We got a lot to talk about this week as the playoffs are set. We got a title game on Monday night. And of course, all these basketball teams winning right and left. He is Stan Weber, and he's on KKHI. Hello, Stan. Happy new week to you. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing great, Kevin. Um, I just wonder, are we going to do a bonus hour in the podcast? Are we going to have a patrons only? Like, we could go on for two or three hours. You and I can <laughs> always go on two or three hours, but there are enough subjects. I guess we need to start with the NFL. There is a, a, a little sadness, Kevin. i got to have just a little couple drops of sadness when it comes to the NFL, which is very, very rare, very rare. Uh, it's that the regular season ended. <laughs> um, it was it is regular season in NFL history, I believe. Um they put on a show all the way to the end. Uh, and, and the only reason I'm sad is the regular season's done. Now, I'm looking forward, by the way, to my favorite two football weekends of the whole year when it comes to the NFL. Tons of playoff games two weeks in a row. That's the best. Better than even the championship game in a Super Bowl for me. But a little drop of sadness there that the regular season ended. But, Kevin, I just want to point out, I always believe, always believe that the NFL teams have enough integrity they're close enough to each other uh, in, in talent level. Guys are playing for contracts, whatever. Whenever you say someone has nothing to play for, I don't spend five seconds thinking that's true. In fact, I think teams love football so much, they realize it the last week of the season and they play their butts off. Congratulations to all those teams that played hard. You know, Detroit, uh, San Francisco, the New York Jets. I could go on and on about how the NFL's integrity was on display teams fighting like crazy to the very end to make the season really a great season. So congratulations to the NFL. And the other thing that I don't like that's happening in the NFL when they've gone to a 16-game schedule, Kevin, and now 17 makes it even more risky, that teams know their playoff position and have no reason to play their starters. There's only one team in the NFL that did that, the New York Giants. How about this? How many teams, the rest of the league, played their starters. Now, that's just a break by the NFL. That's not well planned out. They just caught a break that everyone needed to find a way to play hard that last 17th game. But that's the other thing that I don't like about the NFL once in a while. Some teams down at the end say, oh, we don't need to play. That didn't happen. Other than the Giants, everyone played. That was so cool for last weekend. It sure was, and the Lions' performance on Sunday night was terrific. They, had, they they learned before kickoff they had nothing to play for, and they went out and just played like warriors. It was tremendous. Let's let's go back to the Chiefs game on Saturday, Stan. I, I'll just ask you, was this their best game of the year? I mean, Mahomes didn't blow you away with numbers. He threw for just over 200 yards, but they ran for 168 yards. They sacked the quarterback six times. They dominated the game from start to finish. That's really like two of the last three or four games where they've done that. They did it to Seattle a few weeks ago. Are the Chiefs playing their best football going in? They might be, Kevin, and there's reason to be excited. I think the NFL really helped them out, um, or just the knowledge. I'm not going to talk about the playoff situation as much as they knew that this was their playoff game. Beat the Raiders, and they wouldn't have to play the first round of the playoffs. So I think the players had extra focus, uh, because I know you talked about, hey, what happens if the Raiders played well on that last weekend? The Chiefs might be upset potential, and I would agree with you on that. Even with Stidham at quarterback, uh, they had a life about them. But when it became the playoff game, you missed the first round. You get the bye. You're the number one seed. You don't have to rely on anybody else. Just go out and beat the Raiders. I think that made a big difference. Uh, it was a solid performance. Defensively, getting pass rush is something the Chiefs have not had during this Mahomes run. So that is important, Kevin. That is a nice thing. The defensive backs, 
uh, getting better every week, the young crew, I think that's good. So you, there are some highlights on the defense that can make you feel better than before. Uh, having Tony explode, uh, having Jones back, this underrated thing. Jones is an NFL player that knows how to play in big-time games, Kevin. They're just introducing to the Chiefs. He's fresh. He's going to be helpful in the running game. So if you want to be excited about the Chiefs running game, I can go there with you, that it's going to be more solid. But I will pump the brakes here. Even though the Chiefs, congratulations for being the number one seed, we said for a long time, Kevin, throughout the weeks earlier this year, even when they lost to Buffalo, Chiefs are still going to end up being the number one seed. It wasn't easy, but they did it. They're the most likely team to go to the Super Bowl. The most likely team right now by the odds to go to the Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs. So they put them in a very good position. But I'll pump the brakes on this. You go back and watch the tape. See if this rings a bell with you. It's been a couple days. It seemed like the Chiefs had things in control. But the star player, the the biggest star for the Raiders is Devontae Adams, right? He's into the Aaron Rodgers story in Green Bay. He moves with his buddy uh, to to go to the Raiders and all of that. Kevin, go back and watch the tape. He dropped three balls. He catches three balls that he should have caught if he's a star, and the Raiders have two more touchdowns. The game sequences completely differently, and it could be much closer. He dropped the ball that was thrown up at the goal line. That ball was in his hands. Two chief defenders there. That's one of the best receivers just yanked down, no problem. Remember that? Raiders score a touchdown right away. They go down to the five-yard line. They don't catch. They, they, don't, they go for fourth down. Who misses the ball in the end zone? Devontae Adams, ball in his hands. Raiders should have scored a lot more points. The game should have been a lot closer. This was not nearly the blowout that you might get a smile on your face about. This game was a Chiefs team that's playing better and, and is fine to feel good about, and they may believe and, and get, gain confidence from this game. But Devontae Adams handed it to them. It should have been a close game. Patrick Mahomes, again, this is a you know, thing to watch for, Kevin. Patrick Mahomes still had to be outrageous on that touchdown where he ran to his left and then flipped the ball in the end zone. He is doing things that are not normal, and the Chiefs are relying on it. So if you want to be nervous about the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes is having to do too much. But if you want to be excited, nice win, number one seed, bye, defense doing right. some things, Chris Jones rushing the quarterback. You can take this either way you want, but do not count it. Don't look at the score and say the Chiefs blew the Raiders out. They, they Devontae Adams blew the Raiders out. All right. So a couple things that I really like that I see, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple of names here. One, I think, you know, the Chiefs did the snow globe thing, and Mahomes said after the game, hey, we, we got more of that stuff for the playoffs. And Andy's like, yeah, well, if it works, we have it. You know, we're going we're gonna to make sure this stuff that, look, they're entertaining. It looked like the Harlem Globetrotters for crying out loud. It was great what they were out there doing. Here's what I think. Tell me if I'm crazy, because I know he's not reliable and he gets hurt. I think Canarius Tony is about to be the star of the postseason. I think there is more in this playbook for that guy. I think he's out of control, wildly gifted and talented. Am I crazy, or do you think this postseason could be the time that Kadarius Tony becomes a household name? No, I don't think you're crazy at all, and I think you're onto something. And I even think it's likely. Um, he's he is right there with Debo uh, of, of Samuel uh, for the 49ers and Tyreek Hill. That's what he can give you, Kevin. He's fresh. He's excited. They'll draw some stuff up for him. He is so wild and crazy and good. The perfect spice on a meal. I mean, a Chiefs meal is so solid. You you win the division. Uh, you're one of the best teams in the NFL. You got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and your head coach, uh, Andy Reid. You got all these things. And then at the end of the year, 
they say, oh, let's bring a little Tyreek Hill spice back to the Chiefs just in time to, for the playoffs. Remember what Williams did in the 2019 year? Uh, think about the Super Bowl where he went off. This guy didn't play great the next year or even throughout the season for the Chiefs. But in the playoffs, he was crazy good, and he's not nearly as talented as Tony. So, yeah, I, I just kind of smell we may see the best of the Chiefs coming on the, for the plays they drew up for Tyreek Hill that I think still are missing some for the Kansas City Chiefs are in the playbook and could be delivered by Tony. I, I absolutely think he, if he's healthy, could make a giant difference. And it's almost unfair to the rest of the league because the Chiefs are plenty good without him. Yeah. And, and now another player that teams are going to have to prepare for that I just don't think they've done in the past postseasons because, I mean, there was a time you thought, okay, maybe they got to prepare for Frank Clark. We know what Chris Jones is. Everybody in the league knows what Chris Jones is. So every team has to deal with Chris Jones. But the Chiefs have needed that other guy, and Frank Clark was never really that guy. Now, he got a growing injury Saturday. Who knows if he's going to play or what he's going to be. But George Karloftis has been very open about this. Now, he's got five and a half sacks in his last seven games, and he said, what I can't believe looking back on my first year is how many layups I missed in the first half of the season. Like, the light bulb has come on for this guy. Nobody was questioning the talent, but there is a curve. And I know it's it's kind of an old cliche, but George Karloftis is no longer a rookie, okay? He's played 17 games. I think he's a guy teams have to deal with. And think about it. You can't just say, okay. I mean, the Chiefs had six sacks on, on Saturday, Stan. I think this is legit. And I if they can get a consistent pass rush, I just think that is absolutely the key. If they can get pressure on these quarterbacks, if they go play the Bills or the Bengals, and they're going to get pressure on those quarterbacks, and Karloftis has become maybe borderline an elite-type player, it changes everything in the postseason because they just have not had that in the postseason. Exactly. Part of Chiefs' excellence has not been putting pressure on the quarterbacks. It's it's the reason why Cincinnati has been able to get the get-out-of-jail-free card playing the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't look their same best against the Bengals, and that's because Joe Burrow is so great if he can throw the ball. Joe Burrow can get sacked along the offensive line. It's been a problem the last two years for the Bengals. It was a year before that. He blew out his knee, was out mid-year. Uh, rushing the quarterback against Cincinnati is so critical. So we're talking about when you want to win the best games, the biggest games, think about the Chiefs' t- time struggling in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. It was with the pass rush. So it is it's a giant, Kevin, if this is real, if you have a defensive end that can cause havoc and a defensive tackle that's a superstar as well, now you can bring it because these will bring the heat with the blitz. For instance, the Raiders game, I, I didn't mention this, but one of the great things was Steve Spagnuolo's defensive strategy. Coming off the edge and, st- and tackling Josh Jacobs immediately or hitting Stidham in the backfield with guys off the edge. He is so aggressive. He has guys who can do that. There are three at least big-time defenders for the Chiefs in the secondary who can come in and make tackles in the backfield, rush the quarterback, get past linemen and running backs, and actually put hits on accurately like magnets coming together. So the Chiefs, if they can get defensive end pressure, you know, you're hoping from Frank Clark all this time. It happened once a while in 2019. But Karlofkis is much more predictable, and Chris Jones can blow things up in the middle. I do think, Kevin, like you, it changes the, the dynamics of superstar playoff games. We're talking about championship-level to Super Bowl-level games. Maybe not the first round of the division games, Kevin, and not all the regular season, but if you want to win in the end, you got to put pressure on the quarterback. And Buffalo right now is really struggling. You know, I just want to announce the Bills are not the Bills that were here the first half of the season. 
They're not the team that was put together and beat the Chiefs. They are diluted and running on fumes. And it's not because of last week's game. They have struggled on offense. Josh Allen is rolling around in circles. They don't have a run game. Their passing game is not reliable. He'll flick his wrist after he rolled out and hit a 50-yard bomb and do it so beautifully that you're saying, oh, Buffalo, they're great. Well, yeah, they make a couple plays here and there. But consistently, Buffalo's not playing to the level that they, they, they were. So they're eminently beatable. And you do it by putting pressure on Josh, getting running around. He'll run backwards all over the place. And against Cincinnati, if you can't get to Joe Burrow, you're going to lose. Okay, Kevin? You don't get to Joe Burrow, and he'll cut your heart out. Because that's – he throws the ball from the pocket. He completely – and he's amazing right now. Cincinnati's offense, when he can throw from the pocket cleanly, is off the charts better than the Chiefs. Better than the Chiefs. That's how good Cincinnati is. But when he's on the move, he'll take sacks, throw the ball away. you got to get pressure on him. I'm excited. That's a big part. Chiefs defense in that game against the Raiders, proof of what they've done in the last half of the season – Something we haven't talked about for, what, six years? Chiefs pass rush? That's, that's good. Yeah. I feel like we're headed for a Chiefs-Bengals collision course here. I, I'm with you on that. Look, Buffalo's good. They're certainly capable. So many of these teams, I, I think you take any of the three in the AFC, and then you probably take Philadelphia and San Francisco in the NFC and say any combination of those five, somebody's going to win the Super Bowl probably out of that. So here's what we know. The Ravens play at Cincinnati. That's going to be on Sunday night. We don't expect the Ravens to win, but if they win – they'll play the Chiefs. If not, the Chiefs will play Saturday's winner between the Chargers and the Jaguars. What one of these three teams do you not want to see at Arrowhead? I would say uh, Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Miami, if Miami wins, they go to. If, if Miami wins, I think, Kevin, you said the Ravens. Yeah. It depends on how it sequenced out, but I think the seventh seed. Yeah, I wasn't giving Miami, Miami a chance here. <laughs> okay, so but but they play the they play the they play the worst available team. Right, but Miami has you know, no if, chance if, in that game, Stan. Let's be honest. I mean, seriously, this is almost like a buy. Tua, unless Tua comes back and and is able to play, I don't know what their deal is. Okay, I would say I would I don't look forward to playing the Chargers in that first game. Right, because um, this is the other. Okay, this is the other uh, comment I'll make. It was a, the other drop of uh, you know less than love for the NFL. Just disappointment is the fact that in when you have division games in the playoffs, they don't carry as much beauty to me, especially Ravens, and Bengals three just played. And there's three of them this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the only, I, I said it's the best weekend of the year, the best two. And I told you earlier there was a couple drops of just a little bit of, the NFL is so cool, so great, that I kind of said darn. And it won, one is the regular season's over. I'll mention it again because I would love to see, you know, 16 games again every week for the rest of my life. Um, but, the fact that playoffs are coming, I don't like seeing division teams play. It takes a little of the luster away for, from the intrigue, the intrigue of, hey, what do these two teams look like on the field? And even the Chargers-Jacksonville play in a regular season. But I'm not going to count that. Like you said, too many of these games, three of them, are division battles. Now let's flip to the other side of the coin. If you want to talk about the possibility of upsets or competitive games, when there's a favorite and an underdog and the favorites at home, Kevin, give me a division game. So now I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, right? Because division games are harder for the favorites because the other team doesn't blink. They've been, let me tell you, this stuff matters. I travel with teams. They know where the hotel is. They know where the meeting rooms are. 
They know what the visitors' locker room is like. They know what the turf, the wind, the stadium, the, the scoreboards, where the play clock is. All this stuff is second nature in a division game. So that makes the underdogs much more comfortable. They don't think of this as, oh, gosh, we're in the playoffs, and how are we possibly going to win on the road, and our season's going to end, and this is going to be embarrassing. No, they walk in, and suddenly, like, numbness comes over them, and I go, oh, just another game against a division foe. We're not scared of them. We know how to match up. We study them all the time. Let's go. Well, we got some of that, and that's what the Chargers bring. Getting back to your question, the Chargers are good. They're high level. You know, my danger factor I always bring in, what happens if they play their best? Yeah. The Chargers can reach. If they play their best game, Kevin, they are Buffalo. They are Cincinnati. They're Kansas City, Philadelphia. Does it make sense? The Chargers are a team that I don't count on, believe in game after game. But if they gave you their best, ramp them on up that they could play at a Super Bowl championship yeah, level. They're always close they, games. They and the Dallas Cowboys can turn it on to a level that yeah. they don't they don't normally bring. So yeah, I, I worry about Chargers in the first game. Anybody but Chargers, I think the Chiefs not only got a bye, which is like a win, and then you get a team that isn't Buffalo, isn't Cincinnati, isn't Miami healthy. You know, if you give me Miami healthy, then they're dangerous. Uh, Ravens with Lamar Jackson may be dangerous, but the Chargers are the most legitimate team. Yep. You do not want to see the Chiefs play. Yep, I, I, I just feel like that's what we're going to get here. I, I feel, I feel like the Bengals and Bills are going to play, and the and, and the Chiefs are going to get the Chargers in the first round. There, I, I, I it's just it feels sort of scratched to me. We, when we look at the quarterbacks, I just don't think Trevor Lawrence is ready yet. I know he's been terrific the second half of the season. There's some nice things there. Baltimore has been an inconsistent team. I've never been a big believer in Baltimore. Miami's like dead man walking. I just don't see anything there. I I, I think it's going to be. I think the AFC is going to be scratch, man. I I think the top teams are all going to advance, and that's what we're going to have in two weeks. But we're going to root for the other. Yeah. Uh, and, and you got a chance. I'll just give you the you know the quick tidbit on the other side, not to disagree with you at all. But Jacksonville whipped up on the Chargers before. They're playing at home. They're going to have the crowd behind them. That's kind of a cool excitement. But do you trust the Chargers? I mean, the Chargers could totally dump the game and just say, here, we did stupid stuff. We went for fourth down on our only 27-yard line. You know, I could – could the Chargers just lose the game? Yes. Then the other two are division games. Uh, Miami matched up well with Buffalo in the regular season. They're going to be feisty, nothing to lose. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can – you know, again, a division game. And then the Ravens. They fought Cincinnati in the fourth quarter. They just played them. They come back. I mean, it's just the way it might work in the NFL where Cincinnati says, we're better than you. We beat you last week. But, oh, you got to keep going on the playoffs because you beat us this week. So I think the Ravens still could be dangerous, Kevin, because they're not intimidated by Cincinnati at all. I generally think like you, we got elite teams in Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo. I would expect them to win. And the Chargers, I just said, I think to jump into that yeah. category. So I would expect when we're talking about the next round, we're talking about those four teams and their awful good teams. Yeah, that's Super right. Bowl-level action in the divisional round. All right, let me ask you about Aaron Rodgers, who was not good on Sunday night, but the Lions did finish 8-2 and two in their last 10 games and played very, very well. How much of that was it's maybe time for Aaron Rodgers to walk away from this thing? I mean, they, they played really well for several weeks to get in a position to control their own destiny and then just fell flat. Rodgers looked disinterested. He was not accurate. It was not a good performance. He said after the game that he wouldn't have any regrets walking away if this is the end of his career. As you watched him play this year, 
Do you think Aaron Rodgers should retire, or do you think there's more left there? There's more left if he wants to continue to play. Um, where his head is, you know, I don't know. He seems to be what you'd say in the old days, a free spirit, right? I mean, he is going against the establishment, and the listeners on this show probably can appreciate some of what I appreciate Aaron Rodgers more than I did before because he's been able to say things that sometimes are just obvious and basic and it seems so radical and all of America goes after him and wants to hate on him for just saying basic things like uh, we're not going to give up yet or if the guys around me play a little bit better or into politics and things like that uh, on the Pat McAdee show you know it's must watch now for the national media and they're going to try to spin everything so in a, in a sense uh, Aaron Rodgers free spirit I appreciate more, but I've never counted on him, Kevin, in the playoffs. It's too up and down. He is so dangerous. I don't ever want to see my team, whoever I'm rooting for, if the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, I would not want to see Aaron Rodgers on the other side because, again, my danger factor, when he turns it on, he can do stuff that no one else can do. He and Tom Brady can take their teams to a whole other level, or he can be a bit disinterested, flick his wrist, and overthrow an open receiver by five yards this year. He didn't do that before. He just seems to be so comfortable in his skin, like, yeah, whatever. There's not that sense of urgency to win. He never closes his mind on winning. He didn't give up on the team when everyone else did. But there didn't seem that, there didn't seem that sense of urgency, like, we are not going to lose to Detroit tonight. I didn't feel that. Did you? No, never. I, I, I don't know what he's got left. I mean, I, this was the night you thought he was just going to turn into Superman and they were going to go do this and be in the playoffs. And the last team you want to face is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the playoffs because now nobody expects anything out of him. And it was almost like he was a no-show. I mean, he threw some terrible passes in that game and then seemed disinterested again like he did earlier this year. Yeah, because I thought he got locked back in. Uh, you know, the, the sequence of Aaron Rodgers this year had a lot to do with no one tries in the preseason. They don't even play their starters. Some of the first week games in the NFL are, oh, Kevin, they're, they're treating it like it's practice and they look awful. And guys like Aaron Rodgers look awful. Then they come back, get into a rhythm and play better. And he did that. But he fell back into those habits this year, 2022 habits that I did not see from him yeah. in the past, Kevin. He, you know, he threw an interception to. You know, he threw interceptions that were mirrors of each other. He got a call that allowed him to not have an interception, and he goes back and does the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, it doesn't act like it matters. So there's something weird going on. And again, he was not a killer in the playoffs throughout his career, Kevin. He should have been in, geez, legitimately three or four Super Bowls as the number one seed, a 13 win team, all those kind of things. And all he did was go win that one, upsetting that Pittsburgh team. So. You know, a lot left there to, that he should have gotten. But he, right now, if you were going to sign Aaron Rodgers, he may take you to any height on any game. But he, he just he's calling teammates. He's yep. kind of done that, but he's doing it more. Uh, he's, he's playing with the media. Uh, you know, I don't know. He, he's still dangerous. I mean, are we talking about danger or reliability? He's as dangerous as it gets so he can continue to play. If he wants to play, the talent's there. What if he became the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys? Hmm. <laughs> it is uh, who's the coach? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just, no, no. Dak Dak struggles. You know, I'll just make this quick comment because you don't like hearing the truth about the Cowboys, Kevin. I, I you don't. You think I'm talking bad about them when oh, I'm telling you the truth? I love okay? the truth. I, I I track these guys really, really well. Okay. 
There was only one team out of the 32 embarrassment this weekend. Only one. Dallas. Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they were. Uh, Dak Prescott completed like 33% of his passes. They had 10 three and outs. And no play looked good. No run, no pass. Uh, the punter drops the snap. The uh, field goal kicker misses an easy field goal. The punt returner drops a fair caught ball. Uh, it just couldn't be worse, Coach. It Some was penalties. It was hideous. It was hideous. It was worse than you know preseason, yeah. and they had a lot to play for because they had a chance to uh, to do some things. So anyway, the Cowboys are struggling. Would it be Dak Prescott's the problem? Oh, fans, everyone wants to say Dak's doing great. He's not. Look at look at his not. face. Look at his face. You can tell when he has his, his mouth kind of open, like he he's in shock. He's been in shock. I wonder if his hands okay. Well, when you have an injury, you don't get to tell people how bad you're really hurt. Everyone says you're back. The surgery's great. I'm just kind of numb. He, Kevin, the, there's something going on. He knows. I, I know. I know. He knows and he's not dictating. I just feel like they maybe can't go forward with Dak after this year. I don't know. They've got a great defense. There's a lot of pieces there. They've got so much talent in Dallas. I don't like to coach much either, but Dallas strikes me as the kind of organization that is not going to let Aaron Rodgers retire. That They're going to pull off some deal or something <laughs> and go get a guy like that and say, look, if we can get three years out of Aaron Rodgers, the Broncos did it with Peyton Manning. The Chiefs did it with Joe Montana. There's something left there. He needs a new change of scenery and a and maybe a better team around him than what he has in Green Bay. I, I, nobody's mentioning this. They're talking about other teams with Aaron Rodgers. Why not the Dallas Cowboys? And how, how could Aaron Rodgers retire if the Dallas Cowboys wanted him for three years? Well, that's true, but I, I think it's signed a big contract with Dak. Uh, I don't, I don't see this on the radar at all, Kevin. This is going to be one. Okay. If, you, if you check this one, if you check this one off, you have gone past my understanding. Okay, so eat that contract. But how about you? Don't want to see him at the Raiders. Eat that contract. You don't contract. want to see him well, at the Raiders. You're right, but he doesn't want to be in this division either. Okay, but I'm just saying, as a Chiefs fan, you do not want to see him with the Raiders. Right, but he doesn't want to be in the Chiefs division. I, mean, okay, I think that's good. the best thing we have going. When all these things pop up, we're always like, hey, what about – I'm like, no, I don't think anybody wants to play in this division. I mean, look what just happened to Russell Wilson. <laughs> you really want to come into this division and have the Chiefs kick your butt twice a year? I, I don't want any part of Patrick Mahomes. I, it's got to be I NFC. Do make a, the AFC is too hard. If Aaron Rodgers is going to keep playing, it's got to be NFC, doesn't it? The, the AFC is hard. It's too hard. But he's a free he's a free spirit. I don't think he's scared of anybody. Mm. Uh, I I say you don't want to be the Raiders. An important point here, because we will not talk about this for months and months and months, okay? But I, I want to plant this seed in your mind, Kevin. Russell Wilson has been slumping in his last year at Seattle, maybe his last year and a half at Seattle. I think he looks a little pudgy, doesn't move as well, doesn't feel as comfortable, all those things. Russell Wilson's not the same as he's been. And at Denver, he was a complete disaster and completely lost. Couldn't see open receivers, couldn't deliver the ball, anything else. I want to be the first to point this out. He may have hit the reset button. He had the biggest joke of a coach with the Denver Broncos, and that coach blew it with his decisions in Russell Wilson's big game at Seattle. Remember that game to start mm -hmm. the year yes. where we knew that Seattle was going to lose and Denver was going to walk in there as a new power and say, look what you lost, and it spun upside down. And, oh, by the way, Seattle's in the playoffs. Denver's a joke. But if you didn't get a chance to watch the game, I want to point out that Hackett was the worst coach in the NFL and maybe the worst coach over the last 10 years in the NFL that Russell had to deal with. Go watch the tape of the last game. Russell played well. He played well, Kevin, in the game. It might have been the wake-up. He may not be dominant, worth hundreds of millions of dollars dominant, 
but don't write the Denver Broncos yeah. off with a legitimate coach. Russell Wilson woke up in that game, solidified in his mind that he could be a quarterback for Denver, did it in the home stadium, and the rest of the team, Kevin, is not going to be looking in the mirror going, we got a joke of a quarterback. I, I'm telling you, he erased that. He reset for 2023 season. He looked good. And I think that makes Denver a legitimate opponent next maybe. year. Yeah, maybe. You know, the hard part, again, is being in this division. They're, at best, they're still, even with if he is better, going to be the third best team in the division, which means you're probably going to lose three division games against the Chargers and the Chiefs, if not all four. I just, I think it's really difficult. Well, I just take him from a, I take him from salary cap hell, yeah. awful and an embarrassment, Kevin, which is what Denver was this year, to better than the Raiders. Yeah. Okay? Okay. And, and, you, and you said division game on the road. In the last couple of weeks, you said the Raiders could be dangerous for the Chiefs. That's what I'm talking about. Denver was so bad this year that you couldn't lose to them. You know, I, I know the Chiefs games were close and all that. I mean, just Denver stunk. They gave you the game. They did everything wrong. But Russell Wilson, the, the, the story of Russell being awful, done, fat, go watch the tape of the last game. When we get ready for 23, they're going to hit a reset button. And De- he played right. so well. I actually watch that game, Kevin. Yep. I'm missing, missing. I'm missing seeing all 16 games every Sunday, Kevin. And oh, by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you to DirecTV. <laughs> DirecTV run. No, no, this is serious business. DirecTV, 25 years or so ago, went to the NFL and said, we are putting these small satellite dishes in that everyone can have in their homes. It's a new concept. We would like to sign a contract. Just give you money to let us play your games. Give you money to play out-of-market games. We'll call it Sunday Ticket. Charge people for it. Help our business and help you, NFL. Way great. before the red zone or anything else. DirecTV did that for the NFL, Kevin. Thank you to them that for the last 20-plus years, I can watch any every and game. every game yep. I want to. It's been poetry in motion. DirecTV's <laughs> done a great job. They just lost the contract right. to YouTube TV. Welcome, YouTube TV. I will be a subscriber because yeah. I want to watch Sunday Ticket or whatever. But I want to credit. I think DirecTV went to the NFL. The NFL didn't go to DirecTV, Kevin, right. to allow us to have it. I know you've took, taken in a lot of DirecTV. I went over to your house when you had a bunch of TVs set up and watched a game when Spencer was a young boy. How old was he? 16? Oh, 16 gosh. years old the what? first time. I, I think he was 14. younger than that, How old buddy. was he? I think he was younger than that. 10? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe, yeah, 10. We came over to your house. It's the first time where I live now. The first time I went out to that area was to see your house because you had a game on that I couldn't get. Right. And I can't remember what the story was, but we watched all. You had a bunch of TVs. Oh, it was the Cowboys. Thank you, DirecTV. It was a Cowboys game. You're like, I got to see this Cowboys game. Come on over. I got the Cowboys game. That so, was yeah. awesome. Well, DirecTV did a great job. I want to come to your house and watch you try to to download and, and put up YouTube TV. I can't wait to see this. Are you going to yes, get some help I, with that, Stan, or how's that going to work? I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm already doing, because ESPN Plus, <laughs> my DirecTV, DirecTV allows you, hey, this is a little yeah, secret. Right. DirecTV allows you to watch however many cable boxes you have. Yeah. Like back in the day, you might have had five. Yeah. Call them cable boxes. Boxes, right? Yep. So you get, to watch, you get to watch Sunday Ticket for however many boxes you have. I have two. So I can watch two games out of market all the time but i have a tv that's a smart tv and they'll let me take the app one time like when i'm with k-state on the road and there's nfl i can watch my direct tv sunday ticket on my app one person can away 
away from the, the hookup, right? Beautiful. In my house, Kevin, I use it. I use that as a third opportunity to watch. So I've been doing this, but I have to say, I told my wife yesterday, this stinks because it was spinning and saying, oh, the internet coverage is not good enough right, right now. And it never crazy. does that. So you're going to see someone jumping up and down. I've never <laughs> been mad in my life. This may be the first time. If all my TV starts spinning on YouTube TV <laughs> because my AT&T fiber or their, their whatever causes the weakness, I didn't have to deal with for 20 plus years. Okay. Beautiful. You can cut your cord, Kevin. I'm not bashing cable and I'm not bashing direct TV because they've been so good to me and they never spin. And when I watch ESP plus or yeah, direct TV on my surely you had a day, TV, surely you had a day where there was a rainstorm and your direct TV went out. Yeah. Hey, good point, Kevin. No, I didn't. So <laughs> no. they didn't. No, I have my, I put my dish in a good spot, buddy. <laughs> This is so important to me. People do not understand how important. Just so I can talk about it on KK has issues. I got to watch these. Oh, I just it. gave you the. I just gave you the hottest take that you it. you're going to hear for four months, Kevin. I love it. I love it. Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson woke up yesterday, and no one that's not a Broncos fan watched that game except for thank you, Directv. I did. Yep. Oh, good stuff. All right, we got good stuff on Monday night. We got a national championship game. And when I think of Georgia in these games, I think of my daughter who went to Georgia. And last year, um, you know, she was nervous. And it was like they played Alabama. And she felt like, okay, she hates Alabama. Like, it's a hump that Georgia had to get over. They had to hurdle that. But they were the underdog. And you don't expect whatever. And they won the national title. Now I think she's a little nervous because it's just expected that they're going to roll TCU. And I I just don't see that. I, I think this is going to be a game and I'm wondering what Georgia's psyche is going in, having won the thing last year and being such a huge favorite. It's really, for Georgia, a completely different dynamic than a year ago. Yeah, and they had so great of defense last year. I don't know if it's six or seven first-round picks went off their defense to the NFL. So last year, you know, rock-busted scissors. Uh, we, we say defense wins championships. And that's fine in all sports. It's been accepted. But that's not college football today, Kevin, because let's just look at the semifinals. The best college football playoff semifinal day we've had, right? 2014, this all started with semifinal games. And finally, we had two great games, two close games. But here's the theme that I want to address. TCU 51, Michigan 45. Georgia 42, Ohio State 41. Should have been 44, but the kicker missed it so, so badly. High-scoring football is the new modern way of getting things done. It's been easing our direction, but last year Georgia said, no, 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 defense still is what matters, especially SEC defense. So they went undefeated last year, and they're undefeated this year, and there's no reason why we shouldn't say they're the favorite and when they're likely to be a national champion today, and what a powerhouse, two years in a row. How about Stinson Bennett? No one wants him, and yet he might have two national championships, one of the few players in history to do something like that. So let's credit Georgia a lot. but. Let's credit TCU. I said TCU would beat Michigan. I thought that their offense is the best in the country. It's explosive. Uh, it's a style of football that we play now. It's better to be great on offense than great on defense. So here comes TCU. Uh, the first team ever, by the way, in, since 2014, we started this. Oklahoma's the only Big 12 team that could inch their way in. They got into the college football playoff, but they lost in the semifinal every single time. TCU is the first ever, other than Oklahoma, to make it and the first ever for the Big 12 to make it to the finals. So congratulations to those guys, Kevin. They're really good on offense. They're only feisty on defense. But if you look at Georgia, 
and you look at the play that they've had in their last two games, I could cut out 10 minutes of game time here and there if we had a watch party, a pre-game party, you know, a patron party this afternoon, Kevin, when we break down tape. I will propose to you that Georgia's defense throughout the year has been very good. They've restocked, and they did not allow an opponent, Kevin, to score more than 22 points in any regular season game this year. Mm. So you go, hey, Georgia, SEC best, SEC champion, go on, you're going to win a national championship. But let's look at the trend line. Do you realize that LSU scored 30 in the SEC championship game, Kevin, and Ohio State scored 41 and could have scored 44? So my question is, hey, Georgia, are you showing some signs that your defense isn't elite? Maybe just confidence level. Maybe the opponent's saying you're not the same as you were last year. If TCU can get off to a good start, Kevin, they can match up. Georgia, I could cut out 10 minutes of time in the LSU game, and I could call 10 minutes of time against Ohio State where they weren't that good. Ohio State was better than Georgia almost the whole game. If Georgia plays their best, they win a national championship. But if they jack around and play like they did for multiple minutes against LSU and especially against Ohio State, TCU could pull off the upset and they do it with offense, the best offense in the country. Max Duggan can run and pass. What a great story. Uh, this team has nothing to lose, but their receivers are elite. Their running backs can go 70 yards on any snap. They're tough. They're feisty. They're physical. TCU could win a national championship. you got to say, out of 10 times, you got to give the SEC five before you even ask who's in the game, right? I don't care. SEC has at least a 50% chance, and then it probably goes up to 70 or 80%. But there is a path to victory, and it's a high-scoring game yep. for TCU. Should be fun. All right, let's. Uh, I don't want to get into specifics a little too early, but they're all going to start playing each other next week. When when we do the podcast, it'll be the day before KU and K State play in college basketball, which didn't look like much of a game at the start of the year, and now it looks like one of the biggest regular season games of the year when KU and K State play. But just from you know, you and I, you've been calling college basketball games. You've been the analyst now for decades at Kansas State. You sat courtside for all these great players, all these great teams, and all these great seasons. So I, I think you're unique to give this perspective. Missouri and K State went out and and got a bunch of old transfers, and they're instantly good. Missouri's winning, Kansas State's winning, KU always wins. It, it, do you have any perspective for us, or can you put it into perspective? Are we about in this area, in Kansas City, and most people are either in some way a KU, a K-State, or a Missouri fan, are we about to experience the best college basketball season we've ever had here? Well, we, we definitely can't say ever uh, because there were times where Missouri was champion and Kansas and K-State were right there. But in recent modern history, it looks like a heck of a run. It, uh, for instance, if you want to jump on that bandwagon for a second, K-State's 14-1 and one right now. 14-1, and 3-0 in conference play. But 14-1, and one, Kevin, the last time K-State won 14 of their first 15 games was a Final Four team for K-State in 58-59. That's 1958-1959. That team went 25-1 and one before losing in the Final Four. So you can start pointing to those things. K-State, the best K-State has ever done in their history, has won two road games against ranked teams in a year. Now, they've done it in back-to-back -back games before, but they've never won more than two games on the road against ranked teams. K-State just did it under Jerome Tang this week at Texas, at Baylor, and they did it in style, scoring points, playing under pressure, winning close games. K-State's 3-0 in overtime games, 7-0 and in games decided by 10 points or less. There's something magical about this team, and they're solid throughout. I'm around them. 
They're for real. You look at Missouri. They got crushed by KU. Was that the end of the run? Oh, they, they had an easy non-con. Guess what? The team gained confidence and the integrity to bounce back from that KU crushing and come back and do what they did, whip up on tennis, whip up on Kentucky and get going. So what we may be seeing, Kevin, in the modern era is this transfer portal, no sit-out uh, transfer capability. You know, maybe it's going to be a positive around the country in certain ways that if, if everybody can get used to their team reloading, you can get used to get bouncing from a losing season right to the NCAA tournament. Conference championships may be available, all those things. We saw it with Iowa State. Two years ago, Iowa State was the worst team in the Big 12 and hardly won a game. And then last year, they, I think they went to the Sweet 16 or well, something like that. So we're, we're seeing these turnarounds be outrageous. The constant, oh, yeah. Bill Self. Yes, Bill Self and KU for sure. And I I had this conversation with a couple of guys this weekend. One was a K-State fan. The other two were KU fans. And I said, look, if if this is this easy for Dennis Gates and Jerome Tang to just go get a bunch of 22-year-olds and bring them in for a year, in some cases they're two-year players, but older guys, if it really is that easy to go beat up on teams that have younger players, why would anybody recruit freshmen? I don't even understand. And, And I pointed to Kansas. I said, look, Kansas was a national champion last year. It was one of the oldest teams Bill Self's ever had. I mean, there were guys on there that made, what, 130 starts on that team? I mean, that was an old basketball team last year, and they won the national title. And now we're watching KU and MU with first-year head coaches. I'm sorry, K-State and MU with first-year coaches just bring in these old transfers and go beat up on people. It looks easy. Why, Why recruit freshmen at this point? Everybody's a free agent. Yeah, it's one of the toughest things, and I know, plenty of people our age, Kevin, who have kids who graduate in the next two years or just graduated. And it's really a punch in the gut for their high school recruiting opportunities because it's starting to be known this. It's starting to happen kind of organically. Like it's not that important to recruit that high school kid. We'll recruit him in a year or two when he proves himself. We'll we'll let let the minor league action happen and just go snag those guys. You know, it's, it really it brings all kinds of well, questions into play yes, about how you build your basketball I left this team. one out, Stan, but look what McCuller does for Kansas. Okay, and he gets booed in Lubbock. They're like, okay, he transferred in conference. I personally think there should be a rule that you shouldn't be able to transfer in conference. I'd, I'd like to see that come back. You can transfer anywhere you want in the country, but not in the conference. And I think a conference could put that rule in. I don't think they need the NCAA to do that. I think that would be good. But even Kansas has done that, and he's just a huge piece of what they are this year but there's another old player that's really helping Kansas. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, let's just, just Missouri Valley Conference fans, we have a number of those who monitor the Missouri Valley Conference. Kevin, that would be in our normal listening group here. I'm not limiting the podcast. We may be heard in Australia right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure everybody's KUK State Mizzou fans, okay? You're in a podcast, Kevin, and you're becoming more and more famous. So who knows? But let's just stay with the locals. The Missouri Valley Conference, has had a ton of success of keeping players who were underneath the radar that KU would never recruit or K-State in Missouri, and they develop and become old, and they play to a high level. And then they play the one-and-done teams and sometimes knock them off in the NCAA tournament or in regular season games, and you're just going, the boys lost to the men. But on a talent level, no one was tempted at the big-time Power 5 schools to go down the Missouri Valley Conference path. They didn't, even after they lost to those boys, those men, I mean, they didn't go say, I want you on our team. They're going, you don't have enough talent. What we're talking about here, Kevin, is matching the two concepts together. The Missouri Valley Conference has shown us over and over in the NCAA tournament that veteran teams that are put together, even Ivy League teams, can become dangerous when they're grown men 
and know how to play basketball and are physically stronger, know all the strategies, understand the coaching, and hit clutch shots, all those things, what we're seeing now is the Power Five can go get those kids. So they're taking the super talented guys that they would only be interested in and then bringing them in as grown-ups, and you put the combo together. Together, The question might have been said, can you do it in one short year? Well, that question's a joke now. In basketball, Kevin, it is easy to do it in one short year. Missouri and K-State are not limited by the fact that, oh, gosh, these guys have only been together for five months. No. Right, but in football, but, but in football I, that might be an issue, not in basketball. But here's the you question, don't have to worry about it. Here's the question I'd have for Dennis Gates and Jerome Tang. Okay, they're going to go out now and they're recruiting high school kids and they're going to bring in a bunch of freshmen because they just got started and, they, and they've got good recruiting classes, both of them going. We're going to sit here next year and you're bogged down with some freshmen and sophomores that really don't contribute. And so you didn't become as active in the transfer portal? Or are we going to get to a situation where they just run players off? They get them there for a year and go, you know what? You're not to our level. You run them off and then you go get a 23-year-old. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think teams can get saddled with underclassmen in college basketball and have bad years. It's a, yes, Kevin, that whole runoff thing is where the kids, that's a different subject. The players now love the freedom, but the coaches are going to make it ugly on the players because players who are doing everything right in developing in programs, Kevin, going to class, loving their school, will be kicked to the side and yeah. say, uh, why don't you move down to a lower division? So that commitment from the schools is not going to be there. You're going to have to prove yourself. It's just like the NFL, not for long. You know, those guys know they got to play or they don't get to play next year. It's a little bit like that. Uh, it's fun to watch Jerome Tang. He came from that Baylor philosophy, which is a little different. Almost all of Baylor's starters, when K-State played against them, had redshirted. That's old, old school. But that's one of the ways that Scott Drew and Jerome Tang believe you get your team older. So K-State's got a couple of good players who aren't allowed to play this year, Kevin, who are growing up as redshirts. And so even when they come in as freshmen next year, they will be more men than boys. They're trying to do that because he'd love to have his roster filled with every aspect. Great transfers like Keontae Johnson, great veterans that stay around for a couple years. Uh, like Marquise Noel, who was recruited by Bruce Weber and stayed and is a part of K-State basketball now. And then younger, really talented players that stick with your team and don't leave. He wants a bit of all of that, yeah. including redshirting. So we'll see if he can do it. Baylor has been able to do it successfully, but that was before the transfer portal was heated up like now. Look at the football transfer portal. And players aren't uh, don't make as much of an effect in football right away as they do in basketball. And what's the numbers? I don't even look at your transfer portal. But it's, what, thousands? Yeah. Thousands of yeah. football players are in the transfer portal thinking that the grass is greener someplace else. That's going to be, end up being a disaster for the players all in all. But for the teams and the schools, quick turnarounds, veteran talent, using veteran players is going to bring basketball probably, Kevin, to a higher level. Cool. We're probably going to see better basketball Fun. than we saw with the Kentucky one and done. That's who a, were talented. I, Right. But not consistent. Yep. I, it's fun. I think it's going to be a great season. we got a great couple months of college basketball, regular season, and March Madness coming up, Stan. And and uh, we'll be chatting with you all the way through football season and into basketball. It's always great to have you here, buddy. I hope you have a great week. And we're looking forward to those six standalone games this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Wild card weekend should be super wild card weekend. They got, it's, not, it's no longer wild card weekend. It's super wild card weekend. I love it. And you're the best, buddy. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Thank you, Kevin. And the Chiefs move on. They do not have to play. They'll be in the next round. Congratulations. And hope before I leave basketball, KU and K-State are tied for the longest active winning streak 
in Big 12 conference teams. Eight. Can they put two more together this week and make it 10 before they play next Tuesday? That would be crazy. We'll talk about it next Monday, Kevin. Uh, have fun watching the national championship tonight. And thanks so much for being on KK. And thank you once again, NFL Direct TV. They've been good to me. <laughs> thank you, Stan. Stan Weber, the one and only, man. He is something else. He's going to miss his Direct TV, but he's got YouTube TV coming, so he's going to be just fine. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, boy. We covered it all right there. Brought to you by Fry Orthodontics online at fryorthodontics.com, where your smile is just the start. Your first appointment is always free. Just mention the podcast. When you give them a call, there's a location right by you, no matter where you live. Invisalign is the same price as braces. Get that beautiful smile for life and the confidence you deserve or your young one needs from Fry Orthodontics on fryorthodontics.com. Advantage Termite and Pest Control anywhere in the Kansas City metro area. AdvantageTPC.com is your go-to source for pest control around your home or your business. Residential and commercial, 25 years in business. Advantage Termite and Pest Control would love to be your new company for 2023. Give them a shot this year. I think you'll find out they're better than what you have. Advantage Termite and Pest Control, 913-768-8989. And Cross Kitchens KC, online at crosskitchenskc.com. Just call Tim and set up an appointment for him to come out to your house and say, we were thinking about doing something like this. What do you think? What kind of cost are we looking at? Does it cost you anything to have the appointment? Dream a little. And maybe it's just new countertops or flooring. That's fine, too. You want to remodel the kitchen? Do a man cave in an unfinished basement? So many homes are built with unfinished basements. You want to do a man cave downstairs? Tim can make it happen for you. CrossKitchensKC.com, 816-898-7047. And, of course, all of the sponsors of Kevin Keatsman has issues are at thekklist.com. That's www.thekklist.com, thekklist.com. All the sponsors are right there. If you'd like to check them out and support anybody that supports this podcast, we'd be honored if you did that. Just the opportunity to earn your business, okay? Make them prove it to you. It's what we should all do. Make them prove it to you. Any of our sponsors would love the opportunity to prove to you that you're better than what you already use or provide something that you don't have. Thekklist.com. Wow, that was fun. It's going to be a big week here. We got control of the United States House of Representatives. That was crazy on Friday night. I stayed up late watching that, watching Kevin McCarthy on Friday night and the near brawl between Rodgers and Gates on the floor. We'll get into all that this week and a lot of the things that have happened with the uh, U.S. House taken over by the Republicans and things that are going on in D.C. We'll get to all of that as the week goes on. I can't wait. That was I can't believe I stayed up till 1 in the morning watching politics on Friday night. I, I can't believe it. Who have I become? What am I? Sitting here watching this vote that went till one in the morning is just crazy. Uh, great stuff, though, and, and we know that you love it, and I love it, and we got a lot to talk about this week on all of our episodes of Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 